if anybody ever asked what I was, I was supposed to say I was black. And I was like, well, why would anybody ask that? Why would anybody ask that question? I mean, it's clear I'm not white, so I have to be black, right? It didn't make sense to me. None of it made sense. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I'm your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where MPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 50, and today I am speaking with Donna, Donna G. Hi, Donna. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you for having me. Where are you calling from? Can I ask where you're located? I live in Philly currently, Philadelphia. Philly. Okay. I I thought you were going to be East Coast because I I don't believe we've met before, but I know you said Aaron from NPE only after the Discovery Facebook group. You said that Aaron sent you my way. Yes. And yeah. everyone associated with that group so far that I've met seems to be East Coast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's, let's get a little bit of background since I don't know your story at all. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know how this goes, you just kind of start with your family of origin and you can take it from there. Alrighty. Well, thank you. So I am one of seven children um, that my mother had, uh, actually she raised six, her, her first child died a few days after birth. So I'm the next to the youngest of her living children. Um, she had two boys and four girls. And, um, so it's, it's a little different because when I grew up, I was raised with my two brothers and later on, my youngest sister. Um, for my mother was in a previous relationship prior to my birth, and she had two children, two girls. And uh, because of the semantics of that relationship, they weren't allowed to be raised with her. So I grew up thinking I was the oldest girl, and at, and before my youngest sister, I was the only girl. So. My brothers were like 10 and 11 years older than me or 11 and 12, something like that. And I'm two years older than my youngest sister. So for all that time, I thought I was the only girl <clears throat> now. So it was my mother, um, the man who I call my father, um, my brothers, and then my youngest sister, myself. Um, when I was four, I found out that I had two older sisters. And that just kind of changed everything for me because I didn't know where I fit anymore. To be honest, I didn't really feel like I fit anyway um, because up to that point, I didn't look like anybody. Um, My mother insisted that I looked like her grandmother, which would have been my great grandmother. But um, 
I hadn't seen any pictures of her. So I had no idea who that was. But I was certain that I, I couldn't figure it out because I didn't really look like my mom. I didn't look like my father. And I didn't look like my brothers. So who did I look like? And I knew that very early on. Um, when I was three years old, um, actually three years old is when I, I can remember from that time on. <clears throat> and I don't remember seeing anybody that I looked like except a great uncle that I had. And his name was Ghana um, with a G. And I was told that I was named after him, but his real name was Gondola. So, but he was, he was very much darker than me, but we had the same hair. So I kind of bought it. I said, okay, well, I'm named after him and I, you know, we have the same hair. So I guess that makes sense. So I didn't let it bother me too much. But um, anyway, growing up, um, my father was a man that, um, the man who raised me, I can, I, I refer to as my father. Um, and he was the type of man that believed in taking care of his family. He was very old school that way. Um, he worked, my mother was a stay at home wife and mother. And, um, during that time, you know, we didn't have two way phones. There was a one way phone. TV was in black and white. Um, so interactions, you know, with people outside the house, um, were different than they are now. Um, <clears throat> so they had one car, my mother drove, but because he, you know, he had to go to work every day. He primarily had the car. Um, my mother was 29 when she had me. So she was still young, I, I think. Um, <clears throat> and my father was 31 um, when I was born. And I mean, to me, they seemed like they loved each other. I mean, they fought a lot. They fought a lot. But they seemed like they loved each other in spite of that. Um, and I loved my father to death. I loved him to death. I loved him to life. Um, he truly was the first man that I ever loved. Um, I don't know why I loved him so much. I just did. And when I think about it now, sometimes I think I was maybe instinctually, I knew that he wasn't really my father. And I just felt like I needed to prove to him that I was, it was okay to love me, you know? <clears throat> and, um, I don't know. So I, I, I mean, I did everything he did. He was a mechanic. Um, I love cars. Um, everything I've, I know about a car is because I watched him incessantly. Um, he, he was just that kind of guy. He did everything. He made sure everything in the house was right. My mother took care of the house and the home. He took care of providing for us and he was a great provider. Um, we need it for nothing. We want it for nothing. Um, Growing up, we used to go away every summer for anywhere from a week to a month down to the shore. Um, my mother didn't like to travel a lot, but he did. And, you know, when we did go places, he made it fun for us. Um, we weren't, a, my mother was, she was old school too. So we didn't eat out, you know, like how people eat out today. If we wanted a hamburger, she was going to fix it. You know, that's how, if we wanted a Big Mac, she made Big Macs. Um hmm. So when we got food outside of the house, that was from daddy. He, he, you know, that was him. Like I said, they used to fight and their fights were bad. They were really bad. Um, and because my brothers were so much older, they left the house when I was still a little girl. So up until they left, they were the mediators and the, you know, the interceders and the fights when they left, that became my job. So 
there was, you know, there was a script and there was a, a list of to do's in the event there was a fight and what I was supposed to do and, and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> but one of the things that always stood out to me was, you know, in these arguments, um, I remember hearing about this child that wasn't my father's and I was little, so I didn't know what that meant really, but I, I often wondered, was it me? And the reason being was because it seemed like I was always chasing him for love. It, I, you know, I didn't get a whole lot of that back from him. And when my sister came after me, it seemed like he naturally loved her. He showed her openly that he loved her. Um, he wasn't mean to me, but he just it wasn't as affectionate with me as he was with her. And together, him and my mother with my sister were like the perfect family. And I just didn't feel like I fit in. Um, but I didn't understand that. And then when I was about six, I remember asking my, my mom, was I adopted? Because I, I just felt like everybody treated me differently. You know, there were times that like my father he used to take us to work with him. And, um, you know, he would introduce us to his friends and things like that. And I remember one time it's, uh, in particular, one of his friends, he said, he said, who are these two little girls? And he said, this is, these are my daughters. And he said, your daughters. And he looked at me. He said, that's not your daughter. He pointed specifically at me. Oh, no. And I remember feeling like, oh, my God, you know, like, uh-oh, because I had heard about this in the arguments that there was a kid that wasn't his. So did this man know that I wasn't daddy's? You know, I was scared to death. I was scared to death. Um, and I was hurt for my father because I felt like, you know, this wasn't something he wanted other people to know. I don't know. I just felt like I had to protect him somehow. And it, it scared me. And we just didn't talk about it. The whole way home, we were silent. There was no conversation, nothing, but I just know that um, it, 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 you know, made me think. It used to make me think. So one day when I was about seven, <clears throat> actually eight, um, we had just moved into a new house. And by now, my two older sisters were living with us. And my mother called us all into the dining room. And I call this the day that we were issued fathers. And um, so my mother... For whatever reason, I don't know why, but she said, um, okay, I want to make this clear. I want everybody to know who is who and why your name is this and why your name is that. So she proceeded to tell us, you know, everybody who's their father. So she told my two older brothers, you know, she had been married before. She told them who their father was. Um, she told my sisters who their father was. And then she told me and my sister who our father was, but it didn't make sense to me because I could see my brothers, you know, cause they looked alike and I could see my sisters cause they looked alike, but me and my youngest sister did not look alike and I didn't look like anybody else. So at that, at that meeting, I said, well, who's my father? And my, one of my brothers, he got so angry. He was like, see mom, that's what I'm talking about. You know, she's always saying stupid things. And I didn't think it was stupid. I was serious because what you're saying doesn't make sense. What I see and what you say don't make sense. So clarify. And she said, I, so I said, well, how come me and, me and um, my sister have this different last names than everybody else? Why do we have 
you know, these last names and we didn't have daddy's last name. So my mother told us that during the 60s, um, when when we were born, that children had to take the name of their mothers. And at the time that we were born, she wasn't legally divorced from her first husband before she married my father. So we had to take her first husband's name. And but that later on, that daddy was going to legally adopt us to make us have his last name. So I'm so I'm thinking because I already knew I couldn't ask any more questions. So I'm thinking, well, why would daddy have to adopt us if we're his? You know, that doesn't make sense. But I couldn't ask anybody. So and she just said, if anybody asks, you tell them that your mother and father are married and your last name is, you know, is really his last name. But there's a story. So at seven years old, I knew that I had to give this long dissertation as to why my last name was different. And I'm thinking, but why? Why would anybody ask that? You know, this didn't make sense. And so that always factored into me, um, for me. Um, Growing up, I I knew I had to be on standby for that. But then the other thing I had to be on standby was for was um, if anybody ever asked what I was, I was supposed to say I was Black. And I was like, well, why would anybody ask that? Why would anybody ask that question? I mean, it's clear I'm not white, so I have to be black, right? It didn't make sense to me. None of it made sense. Um, and nobody would answer any questions. I, I had nothing to base anything on. So, you know, my mom said I wasn't adopted. Um, and throughout my lifetime, I would, as a child, I would periodically, you know, break down and cry because I was like, I have to be adopted. I, I don't fit in. I just don't fit in. And um, she would say, no, no, no. You look just like my grandmother. You look like your cousin, Lisa. No, you're not adopted. You're not adopted. Okay. Well, so that was that. But, you know, I still always felt this, this thing between me and my father. I just felt like he didn't love me as much as he loved my sister. Like the other, my other siblings knew he wasn't their father, but he was good to them and they loved him too. But if I'm his daughter, why does he treat me different? I'm older. You know, I should be the one that gets a lot of love, you know, um, or just as much love as my sister. And I didn't feel that. Um, So that's that's how that started. And then when I was about when I was 12, there's a story when I was 12, um, I had this really nice birthday party. And when I turned 12, the Bee Gees had the number one album at the time on the pop charts. And it was the Staying Alive album. And I love the Bee Gees. So my mom had a friend who was a baker and he baked me a cake in the shape of an album for the Bee Gees that said Staying Alive. So it was really cool. And back then, that's when, you know, like at a, at a birthday party, you know, kids had hot dogs and you had cake and ice cream and you had punch and, you know, people brought gifts, you know. And I remember, you know, so we were opening the gifts and I get this little box and it's a, it's a, um, a gold chain with a, a gold with a, a jade ball inside of a cage. And it was so pretty. And I remember holding it up and I said, who gave me this? Who gave me this? And nobody, every, nobody acknowledged it. There were only kids there. There were no adults other than my mother. And I said, so who gave me this? And nobody owned up to it. So I was like, wow, that's weird. I have this really pretty necklace and nobody gave it to me. So when my father came home that night, he said, how was your party? I said, it was good, daddy. I said, um, and guess what? I said, I got this really pretty necklace. See? 
And he said, oh, okay. He said, who gave it to you? I said, I don't know. I said, it was just here. It was in a box and it was just here. He said, okay, that's nice. No big deal. But I was hoping it was from him, but clearly it wasn't because he never said it was. So um, that always left a question mark in my brain because I'm like, how did somebody get a necklace here for me that I didn't see? These are all my friends. Um, Nobody said anything different. Like my best friend was there. You know, I knew what she got me and some other friends. So how did this necklace get here? And I, but I love that necklace. I don't know why I just did. When I was little, I remember asking my mother, um, you know, and I think all kids kind of go through this. Um, I remember asking her, mommy, tell me about, you know, when I was born, you know, like what happened? You know, how did you know you were having me and stuff like that? And the first story she told me was how I wasn't wanted. She said that her and my father didn't want me. Um, when she found out she was pregnant with me, I was her sixth baby, her sixth pregnancy, her sixth baby, um, her fifth living baby. And she just didn't feel like she wanted any more kids. And I, I just didn't understand that because in my little girl mind, I'm thinking, well, you already have four kids. What difference does another one make? I mean, I was a little girl, so I didn't, clearly I didn't understand, but I'm thinking, it, but it was me. Like, how could you not want me? And she said, I said, well, why didn't you want me? And she said, I, she said, I just didn't. She said, I had enough kids and I just didn't want you. And she, I mean, she didn't say she didn't want me. She said, I just didn't want to have another baby. That's what she said. And um, she told me how she was staying with her grandmother at the time. And she went in the house. She found out she was pregnant. She went in the house. She had made the, the appointment for the abortion. And she went to, to the house to get some things and her grandmother was a praying woman and she was, but she was blind. She had diabetes and um, she was blind from the diabetes. And she, she knew what was going on with my mother. And she said, she said, please don't do this. She said, I know what you're about to do. Please don't do this. Don't do this. And she said, grandma, you don't understand. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. You don't understand. And she said, when she left the house, her, her grandmother was praying and she left the house. So her and my father met at the health center. And as she was about to go to the health center, walk up the steps, she said her lit, her legs literally froze on her. She couldn't move her legs. And she got mad because she said she knew it was because her grandmother prayed. That's why she couldn't do it. And my father was, you know, whatever she wanted, he was going to do. He loved her. So if she says she didn't want another, another baby, he was okay with that. Um, so, he said, what's the matter? She said, I can't do it. I can't do it. So that was that. So for me, on top of already thinking that I'm adopted, you know, hearing that there's a kid that's not his, the one thing that I did know for certain was that I wasn't wanted. And it kind of, it kind of, it was kind of fortified by the fact that my father didn't, um, he didn't really reach out to me the way that he did with my sister. So I felt like, there was something about me that made him not love me. There was something about me that made me not lovable. And the other thing was that um, people used to always say I was a really pretty little girl, but my mother used to always say, you know, don't ever let people tell you that you're so pretty, you know, um, beauty's in the eye eye of the beholder and beauty is only skin deep. And if you have an ugly inside, you know, you're uglier outside. So I took that to mean as a little girl that, I wasn't pretty. 
that I couldn't let I couldn't let people tell me I was pretty because I'm not pretty. And daddy doesn't seem to like me, so I must not be pretty. You know, he was he was the first man I had interaction with, so that's what mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Um and some some kids, I don't know, some kids they well, I see some kids that don't seem like they really need to have a father around like that. I did. I was a daddy's girl. Um, but I just didn't understand why it didn't seem like he felt about me the way I felt about him. And I just didn't understand that. I, you know, I grew up that way. I was always questioning what was wrong with me. What's wrong with me? How come, you know, something must be wrong with me. So I was super smart in school. I was like the smartest girl in school. Um, and even though people said I was pretty, I could never accept that because I was told not to, you know, because then people won't like me. So, you know, I had to downplay everything I did. You know, I tried to be the best at everything else. But when it came to that, I just had to kind of go around it. But when I was 12, um, I started liking boys. I went straight from doll babies to boys and because boys would tell me I was pretty and they wanted to be around me. And that was what I really wanted for my father, but I got it from boys. So that's, you know, that's where that started. Um, and that kind of made me feel accepted and wanted. Um, so I ended up getting pregnant early. I um, got pregnant with my first son at 14 and I had just graduated eighth grade. So I went into ninth grade pregnant and I had my oldest son a month after I turned 15. Um, and with my pregnancy, my mother, you know, she didn't want me to have it. And I was willing to do whatever she said because I was scared. I didn't know what was happening. You know, nobody really talked to me about, you know, getting pregnant and all that kind of stuff. So I never really had a sex talk um, with my parents. So I didn't I, I, I didn't really understand. And I just knew that I just felt like when I had this baby that at least there was one person that I knew looked like me. I knew that. So that was all that mattered to me. And, you know, I just kind of continued to live my life that way. Um, You know, I just, that was just it for me. Um, And I remember as I got older, you know, still the one thing I I was about to say is that um, the one thing with my father, when I got pregnant, it was like him and my mother treated me like a baby. It was like I became a child again. I mean, I was a child, but like I became a, a little child. But right after I had the baby and I came home, my father stopped speaking to me. He literally would walk by me and wouldn't even look at me. Mm. And I became so depressed because I was like, this is it. Like, I mean, if he doesn't love me, who will? You know, like, I I mean, I know I made a mistake, but I didn't know it was this bad. You know, Mm. I didn't mean to do this. I I really didn't. But he wouldn't even talk to me. He went for months. He didn't talk to me. Um, That's very painful. It is. It's. It still is, you know, to think about that. And yeah, um, my mom, you know, and I remember one day I was crying. I was so depressed. And my mom, you know, she said, what's wrong with you? And I said, you know, daddy doesn't love me. He just doesn't love me. He won't speak to me. He won't look at me. He won't talk to me. He ignores me. He doesn't want to be around me. And she just, she just said, you know, it, it, don't take it like that. You know, it's, I don't, he doesn't mean to be that way. I said, but he, he won't even talk to me, mommy. I said, I know I made a mistake, but he acts like he hates me. Like he doesn't like me. And I didn't understand. I just didn't understand that. Why would he act that way about me? Um, 
I just couldn't understand it. And it just, it, it created a thing between me, me and my mother. Um, around that time, my mother was having an affair. Um, come to find out both of my parents always cheated on each other. That was something they regularly did. So, um, and she was seeing this man and she had been seeing him for years. And the rumor mill had it that he was my father. He was really my father, but I hated him. I hated him because I felt like, you know, you're not my father. The man who's raising me is my father. And even if he's not, he's the only father I've ever had. And you're standing in between of their head and between their happiness. And that's how I felt about him. So he left Philadelphia about a year after I had my son. And I remember the way, the way I know this is because my mother came to me crying and saying how much she loved him and she missed him. And, you know, wasn't I, didn't I feel bad for her that, um, did, no, didn't I want to see her happy? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, what do I have to do with any of this? You know, <laughs> and my feeling was no, because you're hurting my father. You know, that's how I felt. Um, but I couldn't tell her that because, you know, I was a kid. So what could I say? Um, so that really caused um, a thing between me, me and my mother. Um, I don't feel like she singled me out in the sense that she was, I don't, she, she didn't favor, favor me, but I do feel like she, there were things that she said to me and did with me that she didn't do with anybody else. Um, and I never understood why I didn't know that until I got older and I kept hearing this argument, the same, you know, um, repeating topic in their arguments. And one day I asked my sisters, Hey, has mommy ever said this to you? Or has daddy ever acted this way with you? And everybody always said no. So I was like, do you think I'm adopted? Like I started asking people, am I adopted? What, I mean, what's happening? Like what's going on? And Nobody knew. Um, nobody knew, but it was always in me. And um, I got married um, for the first time when I was 18 because I just didn't want any more, any more parts of whatever was happening at home. You know, whatever this is happening here, I need to be a part away from it because clearly I don't belong here and I'm not wanted here. So why even try to participate? That's how it was all my life. In the meantime, and from from three until this time, people all around me, oh, what are you? Are you black? Are you Indian? Are you this? I'm black. That's it. That's you know, and I hated people asking me that because I'm a person. Like I'm not I'm not a color, I'm not a race, I'm a person. That's what I am. I'm a person. But people always, oh, you're so pretty, you're so you just have this this different look, you're so pretty. Or you know, sometimes my friends, you know, being smart well, you must be adopted because you don't look like anybody else at home. So this is going on up until I'm, you know, all my life, all my life. It it continued even as I got older. So when I was in my twenties, I started hearing about uh, paternity tests. And I used to think, I wonder if I could get a paternity test. And by now, there's more of a rift between me and my mother because now I'm a woman too. I've got children. Um, I had my first child, like I said, a month after I turned 15. I had my sixth child um, a month before I turned 23. Um, I was married, but I had six children in eight years. And I loved being pregnant because it was the one time that I didn't have to worry about how I looked. 
it was the only time I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have to worry about if I got fat, if I, you know, whatever. I, you know, I just, it wasn't about me. It was about something else outside of me. That was crazy, but it, it made me think more about my paternity because I knew who my children's fathers were. So there was never a question. There was never any issue. You know, everybody was on the same page to a degree. Although I, I repeated that same pattern with my oldest son as what was happening to me. But mine was a little different because my then husband told me, you know, look, you know, I'm going to take care of him. I love you. I love him. He's my son. I'm going to legally adopt him, you know, but we're going to keep the secret. So I'm perpetuating another secret just like me because I was a secret. Um, and, you know, like I said, my mother, she co-signed it because secrets were what she was, what she did. So um, she was okay with that. But that even made me resent her all the more because I felt like, you know, there's something you're not telling me. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is. But if I'm adopted, I just want to know. But she just wouldn't tell me anything. So um, a couple of times in my 20s, I sat her down and I, and I asked her, I said, Mommy, I said, I, I need to have a conversation with you. I need to know who my father is. I need to know. I said, I feel like daddy's not my father and nobody will tell me. And I need you to tell me. Nobody's going to know better than you. And the first time she told me, she said, I'm sorry that you feel like you have a right to know, but I'm not going to tell you. Maybe one day, but not now. Mm. Okay. Well, okay. So <laughs> I'm in my 20s. She's in her, she's in her, she's, I guess she's in her 50s by now. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, 50 is old. So that's like one foot in the grave. So, if anytime she ever got a cold, I was scared to death because I was like, she's going to take it to her grave. You know, maybe on her deathbed, she'll tell me. So now I made it my mission that I had to be around her at all times because I needed to know. And sure enough, she got sick one time. She got really sick, went to the hospital and I was right by her bedside just in case she was about to check out. You know, I wanted to be there so she could tell me. And um, as as it would be, she, she never went anywhere. So um and she, you know, to her, it was just me being a doting daughter. Um, I remember one time later on when I was in my 30s and she had gotten really sick. Um, and the doctor had told her she had to have a surgery um, to, to unclog her or arteries. And um, he told her, he said, you have to, you can't smoke before the surgery or you could die. And I remember her smoking up until she went into surgery. And sure enough. She almost died. They um, they literally had to put her upside down in her bed um, because her organs were shutting down. And that was the most hurtful thing in the world to see my mother like that. But while my siblings were dealing with the fact that she might not live, I was dealing with the fact that not only might she not live, but she might not ever tell me who my father is. So... I mean, I camped out at the hospital and I remember when she came to, she pulled through, she had been intubated. And when they took the tube out, um, she couldn't talk. And she whispered to me, I love you. But I remember my eyes were big as saucers and I was thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to tell me, she's trying to tell me. <laughs> and she was just trying to tell me she loved me. I was like, man, 
<laughs> you know, that's okay. I, I get that, but you know, that's not what I wanted to hear, but thank you. So by this time in my thirties, I'm, I'm asking everybody I can ask, you know, do you know anything? Do you know anything? And, um, as soon as I think to ask somebody, I go to them, they die, you know? So it was like, oh my gosh, you know, somebody's trying to stop me from finding out anything. So I decided, I said, you know what? Enough is enough. During all of this, me, my mother and father had divorced. And when they divorced, my father told one of my sisters, don't, um, don't tell Donna where I am. Don't tell Donna you've spoken to me. Don't tell Donna where I am. Hmm. So to me, that was because he didn't love me anymore. You know, he didn't love mommy. He didn't love me. It, it validated what I always thought. He didn't love me. And I was so hurt. So for years, I didn't speak to him. Um, so one day I said, you know what? Enough is enough. Somebody's going to answer this question. In the meantime, I'm watching John Bradshaw. I'm watching Oprah. I'm watching um, Phil Donahue. You know, and, and topics like these are coming up. You know, children who find out later on that somebody else is their father. You know, being raised by somebody who wasn't your father. All that kind of stuff. So I said, you know what? I don't care. I said that, you know, I'm an adult now. They've decided to keep a secret from me. I have a right to know. Somebody's going to tell me something. I said, and if mommy won't tell me, then daddy will tell me. So I got his phone number. I got his address. I think that was the first time I, my first real detective um, uh, attempt, because I, somehow I found out where he lived and got his phone number and address. So I called his house and by now he had remarried. So his wife answered the phone and I told her who I was and, you know, I wanted to speak to him. And um, she said, um, she said, Donna, you don't know, do you? I said, no, what? She said, your father's in the hospital. I said, he is? She said, I thought that's what you were calling about. I said, no. I said, why is he in the hospital? What's wrong with him? She said, he has lung cancer. And because um, mind you, he had had, he had had prostate cancer some years before that. And cancer ran through his family. So he had the prostate cancer, got better, but then it came, it came back as lung cancer. So at that moment, I had a decision to make. Do I still go ask him what I needed to know? Or do I go through this journey with him, knowing that this might be the last time I get to talk to him? And I decided at that moment that whatever this journey was, I was going through this with him because he was my father. He was the only father I'd ever known, um, regardless of if he was my father or not. And he would be the only father that I mourned. So that's what I needed to do. So for the next year and a half, that's what I did. And I was right there with him. You know, he and I had a relationship, you know, like father and daughter, I guess. And, you know, but he was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And, you know, at the end, I was there for him. I was there for him. And he told me that, um, he always loved me. Um, he said that uh, a couple of weeks before he passed away, he had said to me, he remembered a poem I wrote him when I was seven years old um, called Love Is. And back in the 70s, there was this, there was a poem or a little saying about love is, love is kind, love is sweet, stuff, stuff like that. But I had written my own version for him for Father's Day. And he remembered that. So that made me feel good. And, you know, and then he, he passed away. He, um, he died from lung cancer. And that was it. Um, I didn't have any regrets because I felt like 
he, my, my honor was to him. It was important to me to honor my father. And that's what I felt, felt like I did. But that void seemed like it got bigger. The hole got bigger and it hurt more. And, but I couldn't mourn for him anymore. And I didn't understand what was going on and it, it affected every relationship I ever had. I have now been married and divorced four times, um, trying to fill that void and haven't been able to do it yet. Um, so <clears throat> how did I find out I was an NPE? Um, I, I've had this question all this time. So I, I'm in my 40s and I hear about ancestry DNA. And, you know, they say it's for entertainment purposes and all this kind of stuff. But I said, you know what? Maybe I should do it. You know, maybe maybe that's the only way I'm ever going to know. So I took the test. I decided to take the test. And I did that in 2015 or 2016. And my mother had just been diagnosed with lung cancer. It was 2015. She was diagnosed with lung cancer in uh, 2014. So now we're going to go through this again. So I've got all the anticipatory grief going on, same that I had for my father. Um, and I, I do the test and the results come back. And there are all these um, Hispanic last names. I've got, I mean, anyone you could think of, I've got, I've got Perez, I've got Lopez, I've got Torres, I've got um, just uh, uh, Maldonado. I've got everyone you could think of. I knew who my mother's family was, but I've got all these other, and I was like, that's weird. You know, I had no idea. I knew that we had Native American in us. I knew that my great grandmother was half white, but I didn't know anything else. So I start getting all these cousin matches. I get a cousin. He's like a fourth cousin. And he talks to me. So his, um, he, you know, we're in communication. He kind of looks like us. So I'm like, okay. So he said, well, he said, um, well, we're related on your grandmother's side, um, your mother's, your mother's mother's side. And he tells me, and he says, your, your mother's great grandmother, no, my mother's grandmother on her father's side was what they called a black Hispanic. So that's why, that might be why I had those names. Mm-hmm. And I said, but that's weird. So as he and I are going back in that, it doesn't make sense because it's not adding up to what's showing up in my matches. So I figure I'm just going to research my mother's side because that's all I have. You know, I don't have anything else. So I'm reaching out to people. Nobody gets back to me or I tell people, hey, I'm trying to, you know, figure out my mother's side, but I'm also trying to see, you know, if I can figure out who my father is. And this one lady named Karen wrote me and she wrote me for a cousin that I didn't know on my mother's side, but I thought she was responding to me regarding my father. So when I told her my story, she said, listen, she said, "Um, I'm a genealogist and I would love to help you. She said, your cousin, Carol is my friend and I'm helping her to research your family, but I would love to help you find out who your father is. So we start digging through and she said, Donna, I'm looking at everything. And she said, um, she said, are you sure that your mother said you're black? I said, yeah. She said, because from what I'm seeing, she said, your your father can't be black. She said, your father is Latino. I said, I I, I don't understand. 
I don't understand. I don't know anybody that's Latino in our family. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, and then I, you know, but I'm seeing all these names. She said, Donna, your father's Latino. She said, I, I can't figure it out just now. She said, but your father's Latino. That's what I can tell you. So I get a cousin match. That's a first cousin once removed, a young lady. She's the same age as my kids. And so we start corresponding and she's like, oh, you know, I did the test. Yeah, I just did the test to see, you know, I just want to know, like, you know, just family makeup and things like that. You know, no real big deal. And she was excited at first. So then I tell her, well, listen, I'm trying to find my father and it looks like we're related on my father's side. So maybe you can help me. So when I tell my friend Karen that I met this young lady and she's my first cousin once removed, Karen tells me what to say to her. I say it to her. She goes radio silent, nothing. She won't respond to anything. She won't, but I can see every day she's checking in. So I'm figuring, what the, did I say something wrong? You know, did I do something wrong? Long story short, um, there was no communication. So me and Karen do this for about two years. Now, during this time, my mom, we're coming up to two, 2016. My mom is living with me now because she's, she's, getting worse. And where I lived was better for her to stay. So, you know, we're, I'm, I'm just trying to be um, honoring my mother, taking, taking care of my mother. And still I'm going through this process. So one day I said, my mother had made it clear. She wasn't going to tell me who my father is. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to mention to her about what I found. I said, mommy, you know, I did this ancestry test and I have, we have all these um, Spanish relatives. And she was like, really? And that's all she said. Nothing else, not near another thing. And I said, wow, she's, she's just not going to say it. She's just not going to say it. I'm frustrated. I'm, you know, my mom is dying and she eventually passes away. So I just let it go. Um, somehow I get connected with one guy who was a cousin. He's very helpful, but he doesn't know much. He puts me in touch with another cousin who's like the family historian he puts me in touch with some people and I meet this man who thinks he might be my brother. Now I'm at this time I'm 50 and he's in his eighties, but his father lived to be 101. And he said he, he remembered my mother. So he, and he had heard that his father might have another child out there. So he took, he took a test with me. He did a, we did a sibling test and it came back that we weren't siblings. So, but he, his, we were, I was in his family. We were related. We just didn't know how. Um, meantime, so every time I would stop, every time I would stop, um, people would come to me. Hey, I see you're, you're searching for somebody or I see we're related. Do you know how we're related? And it would be on my father's side, my biological father's side. But I didn't know anything. And I, I was like, you know, my friend had told me, she said, Donna, she said, don't tell anybody you're trying to find your father. She said, because you're scared. You know, it, they might be scared. Um take your picture off of your profile because they might see you and think, you know, you're trying to scam or something. I mean, all these things that I couldn't be me. I, I had to not be me so that people would accept me. Hmm. And it was, it was horrible. And it, so at one point I just said, enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. I just cannot do this anymore. So fast forward to today. And um, the young lady that I initially contacted on, on ancestry Shortly after that, I did a 23andMe test and I got another first cousin once removed. And she was trying to help me as much as she could, but 
it came to a point she stopped as well. Um, so with them being first cousin once being first cousins once removed, that meant that their one of their parents was my first cousin. And that seems like it should be a pretty easy solve, you know, in this situation, but nobody wanted to talk. The first cousin I had spoken to, her mother turns out to be my first cousin. So I started writing people, you know, hey, you know, thinking maybe they just weren't on ancestry anymore, or whatever. And they made it perfectly clear. We can't help you. We don't want anything to do with this. You know, don't contact me anymore. Basically, they were they were not nice to me at all. Not nice. Mm-hmm. They were very unkind. Then my friend Karen, she said, listen, she said, Donna, they're hurt. You know, you're just going to hurt yourself even more. So maybe you just need to leave it alone. This might be as far as you can go. We had gotten to the point that we knew we were pretty certain who my grandparents were on my father's side, but we couldn't figure out all the kids and how many boys they had or if anybody was in Philly or anything like that. So we left it alone. And one day I said, you know what? I, by now I've, I've joined the groups. I joined uh, the MPE group on Facebook. I've joined DNA Search Angels. I've joined all these different groups. I've got people helping. Nobody can break through. We're stuck. And one day I said, you know what? I'm just, you know, I said, this this one lady, she, my one cousin, she's really nasty and she's really mean. So I'm stalking her Facebook page and I see she has a daughter, but they don't have any interaction with each other. And I said, that's weird because I have one daughter and there's no way I'm not going to interact with my daughter. Something has to be up. And this woman is not nice. So maybe her daughter doesn't like her. I banked on that. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing except the group. And I sent the letter to the daughter. I found the daughter. I sent the letter the, the letter to her daughter. Her daughter responded. And I was right. Her daughter hates her mother. Um, she says she's a horrible person. And anything she could do to help me, she would do. <laughs> and she started, she started me on the journey. And this has only been like in the last three months. Um, she sent me to come to find out her mother, there were three sisters and a brother. Her, The two sisters, her mother and one of her other aunts were the ones that were really nasty towards me, very nasty. But she sent me to another sister who wasn't like that at all. And she helped me. And so I, write, I wrote the letter, the letter I wrote to her, they sent the letter to Puerto Rico. Um, so apparently there were three brothers and... One of the brothers is my father. So I'm happy to say that today, as of this recording, in about two weeks, I will know, um, hopefully I will know which brother is my father. Um, one of the one of the children of one of the brothers, the one that we think is my father, he took it, he agreed to take the test. So we're waiting for that to come back. So hopefully that will be it. And that's where I am. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is really exciting. Okay. So, okay. So why, why two weeks? You, you have to wait for a DNA test. Is that it? Well, we did ancestry. So, oh yes. Okay. So what happened after I first contacted you, um, I think I contacted you and then right after I contacted you, this is when everything took off everything. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, how does this happen? I mean, I had walked away from everything. I I canceled my ancestry subscription. I stopped logging into anything. I stopped everything. And all of a sudden, everything just opened up. So um, he 
my cousin slash half brother uh, took the test about a month ago. And as of today, when I checked in, um, they said it should be ready in two weeks. So, oh my goodness. Yep. So, so it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. But you know what? I, I thought I would be more excited than I am. I have, I don't know. I don't know if it's because of everything I've been through with this, but I have this level of acceptance now. Um, it is what it is. I mean, if the, the, the person that took the test, if he is my half brother, our father is deceased. Um, but they're very, the family that I've been in contact with, they are so welcoming. They are happy to have me in their family. They want to meet me. They want to meet my children. You know, I mean, it's like we're family. I'm Not that I needed family because I come from a large family. But after what I had been through prior to this, to get to this point, I never thought I would be here. I mean, it, it even got to the point that being in the groups, I used to hate. I stopped going on Facebook because I hated every other notification. Somebody, oh, hey. December 1st, I got my ancestry DNA kit. I set it off on the 10th. Hey, it's January 2nd. And I know who my father is. Like, seriously, like (laughs) I hated it. I started hating it and I didn't want to be mean to anybody, but I just couldn't do it anymore. My heart couldn't take it anymore. Um, Because some people had told me, I said, listen, Donna, you may leave this world and never know who your father is here on earth. And I was starting to buy into that. And there's still that probability. I mean, there's, you know, we don't know. But um, the good thing is that my grandparents did have four sons. Two are deceased. One never left Puerto Rico. My mother never flew. So he's, he's probably out of the equation. The other brother lived in Philly. He's deceased, but he lived in Philly up until 2005. Him and my mother lived and worked all in the same areas. My mother was a social butterfly. He was a social butterfly. They both liked to drink. They liked to party. So that's probably how they met. I don't know. Um, the other brother, he was a traveler, but nobody knows if he actually ever made it in Philadelphia. However, he's still alive. He's in Puerto Rico. And um, after Hurricane Maria, my grandparents had a farm and he used to take care of the farm after they passed. After Hurricane Maria, the farm pretty much got wiped away and he's living there in a little shack um, and that's where he wants to stay. So he's open to talking to me, but I think he's waiting now for the test results to come in to see, you know, if he could tell me anything or whatever. Um, so that's that's how that's sitting right now. So. What does your composition look like? I don't know. Does it does it say specifically like Puerto Rican or is it kind of more general, like Pacific Islander? Or um, it, what it, wouldn't be Pacific Islander? It would be a... Yeah, it, um, it's a mixture of everything. Um, yeah. But it has... Um, I have a large amount of Spain. Um, oh, what else is there? Spain, Indigenous America, um, and... Puerto Rico shows up. Puerto oh, Rico, it, does show up. It, show, it shows up as Puerto Rico. Um, my most recent ancestors came from Puerto Rico. So my grand, my paternal grandparents came from Yabacoa. Um, my father and his siblings were born in Yabacoa. And that's where my uncle slash father is currently. So, wow. Wow. Um, so that's how it is. And, and so it's, this has been a shock on so many levels. 
Um, I had a cousin tell me, well, now you're going to have to learn how to speak Spanish. (laughs) And I'm thinking, why? You know, like, why? I mean, you know, it's different. Everything is different now in a way. Um, It's exciting. It's new. um, It's scary because I, you know, I see other people's stories and sometimes, you know, you get to this point and then people, they shut you down here too. You know, they say, you know what? Hey, this is too much. Um, And if the, the man that's deceased, if he is my father, um, his wife is still living and they have, uh, they had four children together and the children are taking care of their mom. So there's a good possibility if I'm their sibling, they might not have anything to do with me because they don't want their mom to be hurt, you know, and I get that. I do get it. So I'm trying not to get my hopes up too high um, because I don't know how this is going to, you know, play out, but. That's what I hear. That's what I hear so many NPs say is, oh, I'm trying not to get my hopes up. Mm -hmm. My new half-siblings might be protective of their mother. Mm -hmm. Isn't it sad that we have to be so aware of other people's feelings and so aware of other family dynamics, but we're kind of just, right? We're the victims here. We're just sitting here, uh, and I don't mean to say victim, but we're sitting here without answers, living with a secret, and we are having to be so cautious and aware of other people in the family. And it's yep. like, where's our, where's our yep. answers? Yep. You know, we're the secrets. We are the secrets. Not only in my situation, I was a secret. I was a secret keeper. Um, and then even, even with this, there are some people, some family that said, hey, listen, we've sent you pictures. Could you not share them with anybody? So there's still secrets, you know, and I, I don't want to expose anybody. You know, I'm not trying to exploit anyone. Nothing like that. I, I want nothing. I've been sincere. I just want to know my father's name. And I would like to know some medical history. I need to know that. And I would love to know more about my grandparents. And, I, and I'm open to a relationship with family, but it's not a requirement. I get it. You know, if, you know, if, the, if your family has no more room for me, it's okay. But I just want to know who my father is. And that's it. I'll, I'll walk away. So you said before we started recording today, mm-hmm. you said, I'm done with secrets. Mm-hmm. I'm done with secrets. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so true. It's like, once this is out, once the truth is out, we're mm-hmm. not going to live with secrets anymore. Nope. 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 And I'm so against it. So. so if people want to talk to you or get in touch with you, um, find out more about your story mm-hmm. and get maybe even get updates in the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. how could they do that? Well, I am on Facebook um, and my name on Facebook is Donna Gary, G-A-R-E-Y. And um, I I mean, that can be emailed as well at um, uh, Donna, D-O-N-N-A dot Gary, G-A-R-E-Y at yahoo.com. I will be sure to put those in the resources for today's episode as well. And thank you, Donna, so much for bringing us up to where you're at today and um, telling us your story today. Thank you so much, Lily. Thank you for allowing me that opportunity. Thanks again to Donna for sharing today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.